Hey, welcome Blackhawk family. So good to have a chance to be able to be back with you again. Uh, my name is, I'm Pastor Matt. This is Pastor Coley, and we are actually coming to you live right now at the nine o'clock service. I know a lot of what we've been talking about is that we're filming these times ahead of time, uh, doing a lot of filming on Thursday, and yet due to the situation that we have been in in our city, uh, and all that really is taking place in our nation, we have wanted to have the opportunity to be able to come live to you right now in this moment. Yeah, Matt, honestly, it's, it's been a, a very difficult uh, weekend, incredibly uh, challenging week and, and month and couple of months. In fact, it's, it's been a pretty strange year, all year. You know, I, I heard somebody say recently, can we start 2020 over? This one has a virus. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know we, we have a recorded service today. Uh, that, that's film, and, and, and we're going to bring that to you. But before we, we do that, uh, as Matt said, we thought it'd be a good idea. So much happening in our community and even our, our nation. We, we need to talk about, we need to pray about. Yeah, there is so much that I feel like for, for many of us is weighing heavily on our hearts right now as we see what all has taken place over this past week with the, the death of, of George Floyd that comes right on the heels of the situation with Ahmad Arbery in, in uh, Georgia, and then also with the situation with Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, even the situation yeah. with Christian Cooper taking place mm-hmm. in Central Park in New York City. Yeah. And so much of this, um, I mean, one, we don't want to forget that there were lives lost and there are families who are grieving yeah. in this moment. We don't want to miss that. But this also points so much to an issue of really of systemic racism that continues within our nation that I think that that for many of us, we have been blind to. It can be easy to turn a blind eye to those issues. And yet we have seen all that's taken place recently in Minneapolis that has moved to cities all around the nation and now has landed here as we have dealt with it last night here in Madison. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's, um, you know, if, if I can just, just speak to my, my white brothers and sisters, you know, for a moment here. Um, you know, as, as a black African-American uh, family man, I, I have children um, married. I am, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a son, I'm a brother. Um, you know, it, it's it's, it's tough to, to hear and, and see these stories resurface, you know, over and over again. Um, you know, a lot of times when I see this, and it's not, obviously not, <laughs> not the first time, um, you know, I feel a lot of different emotions. Um, you know, I, I feel angry, I feel uh, confused, I feel uh, betrayed. Uh, you know, I feel lonely sometimes or just, you know, I feel numb. I, sometimes I don't know what to feel because you continue to, to hear the stories and, and, and see uh, these things happen. And, um, you know, I, I also know that uh, there are some of you out there, you know, specifically my white brothers and sisters who are hearing these things or you're watching right now. and. 
and maybe you're feeling guilty or feeling pity uh, for me or an African-American community, or maybe you, you're feeling a bit guarded right now. Well, I just want you to know that's, that's not the intention. You know, it's, that's not how I want you to feel if you're feeling guarded. Um, you know, the, the reality is these things are, are still happening in, in our country. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're faced with, with uh, these, these issues. And so what I really would love for you to feel is, is compassion. And, um, you know, share compassion, in fact. Uh, I, I think about the, the Bible and the scriptures, and, and it's, it's, you know, Jesus tells us to love our neighbors, to, to love our friends. But I think sometimes we forget, he says, love your enemies. So for those of you who are watching and maybe you think I'm an enemy or my community is an enemy, and I know a lot of us have certain feelings that we feel about, you know, things that, that are happening. Well, as Christ followers, we're, we're called to, to rise above that. And, and really, that's why we're here today. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, that together, that we can all rise, that we can, you know, share compassion for one another and, 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 and that you will be willing to, to listen and, and to not be defensive and to listen some more so that we can really be the church that God is calling for. Yeah, those are such good words, Coley. I, um, I think one thing for, for all of you to know is that for, for Coley and I both, we were talking about this beforehand. This is uncomfortable right now for us to sit here and to speak into a moment like this. I know, I know that for me, when I think of the situation of George Floyd and realize that he and I were right around the same age, but I am a, I'm a, I'm a 49-year-old white guy speaking into a situation that really leans towards systemic racism. And I know more than anything that I feel like I have so much to learn and so much to understand that I need to understand. And, um, and so I just appreciate the words that you're sharing, Coley, when you talk about that. And I, I want to speak just for a moment to, uh, to my black brothers and sisters here at Black Hawk. And, and really anyone who would, um, would fall under uh, a culture that would not be considered majority culture. You know, because that's been my life my entire life. I, I have always been a part of majority culture. I don't know what it looks like to really deal with oppression. I've never had to have a conversation with my daughters uh, about being careful as they went out at night because of what could take place with them just simply because of the color of their skin. And, uh, and so to my black brothers and sisters and those that would not be considered majority culture, I just want you to hear from me that... Um, you are, you are part of our family here at Black Hawk Church, that we love you and that we consider you a part of our community. And our desire is to grow to a deeper level of love um, really for one another that through all of this, yeah. that we would become more like Jesus. And the only way that we can do that is from listening. Scripture says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And my hope would be that we could be that type of a community. I know that I have so much that I need to learn. And, and so what we wanted to do in this moment was to take some time, some um, really concentrated time here before we go to the sermon and to worship music, just to be able to pray. 
And uh, Coley, I would love it if you could go ahead and, and lead us in that time. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm honored and humbled to, to, uh, to start us off. So what I'd like to invite you to do right now is, is we're, we're going uh, we're gonna, to we're gonna pray. Uh, we, we have, um, you know, obviously a reason to pray. <laughs> and the scriptures remind us to, to always pray and, and not faint. Um, but we're in a season now where we have some specific things that we want to invite you to pray about. And we're going to start right now uh, by asking you to think about George Floyd and his family. Think about the African-American community. And we're, we're going to take a moment uh, here and, and, you know, maybe you, you got some family nearby or, or friends. And as Christ followers, again, I just want to, to, to plead with you. Let's, let's, let's lift each other up. Let's pray for one another. So at this time, let's remember George, George Floyd's uh, family and, and remember my community, African-American community right now, who's hurting and suffering. Let's, let's pray for them. Now I'd like for us to think about uh, those in authority, um, you know, our, our governments, uh, municipalities, and people who are working and leading us. Um, this is a tough time. It, it's, it's always tough when we have these things happen, and it's got to be incredibly difficult for them to figure out what to do. How do we... Um, how do we contain uh, these things as, as, as officials and leaders? So let's take time out that the Lord will, will, will speak to their hearts and that they will be able to, to have clarity and um, understanding what it is they need to be doing in this, in this tough time. So authorities and government officials, those who are in charge, uh, let, let's take some time and pray for them right now. Um, I think that um, this time, Matt, maybe people all across our nation, maybe we can lift them up to as well. Um, I, I know that there's uh, uh, obviously those who are uh, trying to 
contain uh, the situation right now, but I, I want to I save that because I just, I want to be able to lift up, you know, our, our officers and, and, and first responders and, and folks right now. But we have a couple of more items here that we want to invite you to pray to as well. Matt, if you can help us with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to pray just to take a moment right now to pray for people across our nation. So who are dealing with this, we look at all kinds of cities, the city of Minneapolis, we look at things going on in LA, things going on in New York City, things happening in Atlanta, and uh, to pray for these different cities, people who are being affected by the situation right now. Let's go ahead and take a moment to pray for them. You can go ahead and wrap that moment up and I'd like to move us now towards praying specifically for our city here from Madison. We know that there are a lot of people who are hurting and a lot that took place just in the last 24 hours and there is a lot that has happened before then leading up to this 24 hours. We know that there are all kinds of shop owners, different people who are putting pieces together. We know there are all kinds of people who are hurting due to the situation that's taken place up to this point, and so I'd love for you to pray for them right now. Let's pray for our city of Madison. I'd like to be able to move us one more direction before Coley pr closes us out in prayer. I'd, I'd like to move us to pray for our own hearts. You know, that God would open our eyes to the things we are blind to in our lives, to racism that might be deep embedded inside of us and we don't even realize that it's there. That God would cause us in a deeper way to understand what it means not just to love him, but to love our, our neighbor as ourselves. Let's take a minute to pray that direction. All right, at this time, I, I just wanna, I wanna close us in, in, in prayer. And I want to invite you to, to pray along with me um, as we lift up uh, all of these, these people that we have shared with you. Um, in particular, uh, we want to, to lift up um, you know, all the people who have put themselves in harm's way, whether it's protesters, whether it's the, the, the policemen who are working 24-7 now to contain things or, you know, there are news crews and what have you who are out there. Let's pray, regardless of where you are, 
Remember, God calls us to pray for one another. And I believe if we do this, that we're going to experience the healing in our hearts, that God is going to do something. Father, we come before you right now boldly, and we come before you recognizing that you are our Father who art in heaven, that you have created all of us in your image, and that we are your, your children, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. It is you who have made us, not we ourselves. And so, God, we pray that you will uh, remember all of these uh, prayers that uh, Matt and I have just uh, shared and that your people have been praying in their homes right now and, and that you will begin to do a work in our hearts uh, regardless of what side we're on or how we feel or you know, what we think that you will become uh, the one to whom we lift our hearts and lift our voices because you love us and so, Lord, we, we pray right now for the safety and protection of all of those who are out there and they've been out there. And, and, and God, we know that not everybody's doing the right thing. And that's, that's on both sides. There are some people who are exploiting and, and doing different things to take advantage of this. Some, some people love these things when they happen because we know that we are in a broken world and that we have real enemies out there, invisible enemies. But God, we pray right now that you will protect uh, all of those, whether there are protesters, uh, that you will protect them who are trying to do the right thing in terms of just crying out for justice. But Lord, we also want to take this time to, to lift up all of the policemen and the first responders who are out there and, and they're trying to, to minister to uh, uh, these situations and, and the people. And Lord, I'm hearing stories of, of officers who are checking on folks to see if they're doing all right. And God, we know that uh, the enemy has a way of trying to just color everybody the same. But Lord, there are some incredibly wonderful uh, uh, officers and policemen and first responders whose hearts uh, are, are good hearts and that they're trying to do their job. They're put in harm's way and they're trying to do the right thing. And an incident like this can just cause us to, to, to blame everybody and to be upset. But God, we pray that you will begin to minister to those families and minister to those men and those women who are, who are trying to, to be um, a, a, the saving grace in, in these communities and all over the nation. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you right now. We thank you for all the news crews and people who are covering the stories. And, 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 you know, whatever their, their position, there are different, uh, 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 you know, reasons why people go out and cover these stories. But God, we pray that you will be just, you will minister to the hearts, that we will see what we need to see, the right things that we need to see, Lord. And that we don't, that we're not taking positions, particularly as Christ followers, Lord, but that we're able to, to really lift up your name and lift up each other. And, 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 and have compassion for one another and love one another and trust you to help us to be the people that you've called us to be and to see your kingdom come here on earth. 
So God, we love you. We know that with us, this is impossible, but with you, all things are possible. And so as we close this prayer, Lord, we, we, we commit all of this into your hands. And, and in these coming weeks, God, we just pray that healing will begin to take place in our, in our hearts first and in our communities and in these cities and even in our nation, God. And we will give you all the praise. We will give you all the glory. Be glorified, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. <sighs> that was powerful prayer. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to go ahead and go in just a minute to uh, our regularly scheduled service of worship and a message from Charles. One thing we want you to know about, though, tonight at 7.15, we were having a live Q&A on our transitions of what we're planning on for Blackhawk Church as we look at opening up again. And we have decided in light of everything going on, we're going to scrap that and do something different instead. And so we are going to have a live teaching and prayer evening to be able to really speak into the moment of what's taking place in our society, in our city. And uh, that will be with myself, with Pastor Chris and Pastor Charles tonight at 7.15. So we would love to have you join us during that time. But let's go ahead right now and go to uh, Coley and Hannah and Travis as they go ahead and lead us in worship. Let's go there now. Well, welcome everyone. We're all broken people in a broken world, in need of a touch from God. I'm in that same place. So we come right here, right now, and we can enter into God's presence together. We're gonna step into the Psalms today, crying out to our Heavenly Father. So join in with us wherever you are. Let's sing it out. Trouble won't go, peace won't stay Oceans roar and levees break Oh Trouble won't go, peace won't stay Bridges fall and earth gives way Trouble won't go, peace won't stay Oceans roar and levees break Oh Trouble won't go, peace won't stay, bridges fall and earth gives way. In this old world, no safe place. 
Jesus Christ, you are my one. 
Honestly, God, I don't know where you are in all of this, but you've been there before, so I'm going to trust you. To be real, I can't believe I've let things get out of control. I need your forgiveness. Please change me. God, if I'm honest, you're all I've got. You're all I need. You're more than I could ever ask for. Hi, everybody. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I just want to greet all of you joining us right now, whether you're in Dane County or somewhere around Wisconsin, somewhere from around the, you know, the country or somewhere from around the world. Uh, to the Chinese speakers, but to everyone, welcome to Black Talk Church. We're so very glad you're here. Now, we are starting a new sermon series today. Uh, it's our summer series on the book of Psalms, and it's called If I'm Honest, because we're reading these Psalms as honest prayers. Now, Honest prayers, that phrase, that sounds a little weird because honest prayers suggest that they're actually dishonest prayers, which is a weird concept because, you know, we, we believe that God sees us. He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So it doesn't really make any sense for anybody to try to lie to God. And yet so often we pray less than honest prayers. We don't pray with our authentic voice. We don't use words that truly reflect who we are, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And right now, this point in time, it seems like a really good time to learn to pray honestly. The world is changing. Right? The old certainties are gone. The new normals are not here yet. And we face conflict and struggles in our own lives. And, and we look at our country. We look at the world. And we feel frustration, anger, 
anxiety, fear. And we want to bring those to God. And that's why we're reading Psalms this summer. Because this is the book that teaches us how to pray honestly, pray authentically. It's a book that shows us how to engage with God with our true selves. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Psalms, it's a book in the Bible. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. In fact, if you, uh, if you have a paper Bible, if you flip it open like right in the middle, you end up in the book of Psalms. Um, now, the, the, Psalm, the book of Psalms is, is not a single composition. It's not a single story. It's not, it doesn't have a single author. Rather, it's a collection of 150 poems written by various ancient Israelites, and they've been and collected and organized and edited together. Some of them used to be songs and performed in, 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 the, in, in the temple in ancient Jerusalem, and others were like prayers by individuals or by, by the entire community. Um, they were all pulled together, and, uh, and they were organized into this particular way. If you look at it, this is a structure of the book of Psalms. Most of the Psalms are in, book, in the five books, book one, two, three, four, and five. Well, duh. Uh, and then... If you look at the conclusion, there's these five psalms at the end. Psalms 146 and 150, they're called the Hallelujah Psalms. They are the concluding section of the book of Psalms. And then there is the introduction. Psalms 1 and 2, they introduce and tell us what's in the book of Psalms. And today, we're going to read through very carefully Psalm 1. Why? Because it tells us what the book of Psalms is all about. So if you have your paper a Bible with you, please turn to Psalm 1. And we've asked a few Blackhawkers to read the psalm for us. Psalm 1. Psalms 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So, Psalm 1 begins by answering a single question. Who is the blessed person? Now, verse 1 says, The blessed person is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, now we need to notice that these three phrases, they're in parallel with each other. So we need to read them together. Now, we, let's begin with the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. Now, who are they? Well, if you've been around churches for a while, you're probably thinking already, wait a minute, I thought we're all broken people. We're all sinners. So what do you mean you can't like, you know, hang out with the sinners and the wicked? What does that even mean, right? It doesn't make any sense. Well, you're right. So we actually need to dig a little deeper into, into the psalm. First off, the word wicked, its underlying Hebrew word is rasha'im, and it refers to people who damage the community for their own self-interests. These are people who, who hurt other people for their own gain. They're the people who push and shove to get their way. Now, we're all broken, yes, but not everybody is one of the Rashaim. Sinners. Now, according to the Bible, sinners are people who violate God's commands, um, whether intentionally or simply because we fall short. And by that definition, we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's standard, absolutely. However, 
in this particular verse, the Hebrew word that's being used there for sinners is actually chataim. And this, this noun form marks profession or occupation. It's almost like it's kind of like a professional sinner, if you will. Now, these are people who self-consciously set themselves against God. They're, these are the people who, who delight in breaking God's commands. So once again, yes, we are all sinners, but not everybody is one of the chataim. The mockers. The mockers, Hebrew word is leitim. Uh, now, now, the Bible says these are the people who are proud and haughty. These are the people that are least likely to turn to God um, because their mocking attitude is kind of an armor against God's teachings. These are people who use their words to tear down what is good in order to damage the community. Once again, we're all broken people, but not everybody is one of the late saints. Let me just clarify things a little bit here, because I think, you know, the, we, 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 we get this. The Bible teaches that we're broken people, that we're all sinners. But in the world of Psalm 1, the wicked, the sinners, the mockers, they do not apply to everybody. And here I want to make this crystal clear. These categories do not apply to non-Christians. The, the psalmist is not talking about, oh, people outside of the church. He's not talking about that at all. He's not talking about, oh, your, your non-Christian roommate, non-Christian friend, or your non-Christian loved ones. No, 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 no. In fact, there are Christ followers who fit the category of wicked or sinners or mockers. All right, let's get back to the verse. So the next set of phrases in, in the verse one is walk in step, stand in the way, or sit in the company. And, and you notice there's a progression here, right? Walk in step is to be influenced by, to say, hey, I'm listening to what they're saying and I'm kind of following along. Standing the way means we're actually on the same road. We're looking in the same direction. And finally, to sit in the company of, well, you're all the way in. You're one of them. Notice the progression in the verb. To walk, to stand, and to sit is to decrease mobility. That means we're talking about greater and greater identity, greater and greater acceptance, greater and greater alignment. Verse 1 is talking about how the company we keep define who we are. And, you know, we know this, right? We know that we are influenced by the people we hang out with. I, I've met people in my life who, who just don't care about other people. And I'm not talking about criminals. I'm talking about people in our friend groups who have no compunction about hurting other people for their own gain. And I've also met people who delight in breaking God's rules who revel in it. Some of these are Christ followers who are rebelling against their church upbringing and they dive into lifestyles that are completely opposite of God's values. And I've also met people who, to whom everything is a joke. You cannot talk about anything seriously with them. Their humor is their armor. And, and, and their cynicism sounds sophisticated and attractive. They got this know-it-all attitude. You know people like this. You know, we meet them at work, at school, in our lives. We get to know them, and we become friends with them. And so what Psalm 1 is saying is, hey, you need to see clearly who these people are and what they are about. Because if you're not careful, if you're not, if you're not aware, you could end up being surrounded by these people, and they will change how you see yourself, how you see God, and how you see the world. Because it's human nature. We align with people we hang out with. 
And someone says, to be a blessed person, don't align yourself with the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. So that's verse one. Now, we get to verse two, and verse one is don't do this to have the blessed life. Verse two is, well, here's what to do. Verse two says, but whose delight is in the law of Yahweh. When you see the word Lord in all caps, that's uh, the Bible's way of marking God's personal name, Yahweh. So, but whose delight is in the law of Yahweh and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, the first thing I want to point out to you is that verse two does not say, oh, you should do good. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because, I bring that up because our, our culture has a way, has a tendency to approach the Bible a certain way. It has a tendency to say, hey, you know, if you read Psalm 1, you read verse 1, it talks about wicked and sinners and mockers. Well, verse 2 has got to be, well, you got to do good, right? Do kind things. Do feed the poor. Help other people. Do good things. Because our culture has a way of seeing the Bible in terms of don't do evil, do good. And they think that's what the Bible's all about. And that's not what the Bible's all about. And it certainly is not what Psalm 1 is about. Psalm 1 is not about doing wrong or doing right. Psalm 1 is about who are you going to align yourself with. Verse 1 says, don't align yourself with the wicked, the sinners, the the, the mockers. Verse 2 says, align yourself with God. And how do you do that? Well, verse 2 talks about a person who delights in the law of Yahweh. Now, now, um, the word Hebrew word there is Torah. It's a very familiar word. Now, the underlying meaning of the word Torah is not law. It's teaching. Okay? Now, there are actually laws and real laws, real regulations, and they're part of Yahweh's teaching. But God's Torah includes so much more than regulations. I mean, stories, poetry, wisdom literature, philosophical discussion, um, uh, uh, prayers, songs, they're all part of God's teaching. So if you have your paper Bible, or if you grab a pen, I want you to just just go ahead and just cross off law and write teaching on the side. Just go ahead and do that. It'll make this verse so much clearer. Because now what you see is, oh, this verse is about a person who delights in Yahweh's teaching. And for us today, for, for, for Christ followers here in Madison, it's describing a person who's reading the Bible who's reading the Bible, and they're going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is wild. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I can't believe it. Oh, God creates the world. Oh, no, 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 the world is broken. We're broken people in a broken world. What do we do? Oh, God doesn't give up on us. He starts to redeem the world. He creates a kingdom of Israel. Okay, good. Oh, not so good. The whole thing falls apart. Well, that's a disaster. Oh, wait a minute. God's not done. God sends his son, Jesus, and he establishes the church. Oh, it's the new kingdom of God. And it's, it's going to restore us and restore the whole world. What an amazing story. This is the greatest story in the world. That's what the verse is talking about. It's talking about a person who absolutely delights in the story of God, story of God's action in this world to redeem this world. It's not just, oh, it's kind of okay. Oh, it's all right. No, 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 no. This is a person who meditates on God's story day and night. The Hebrew word there for meditate is Hagah. Now Hagah means to mutter, to mumble, 
to moan, to groan, to growl. It's really—it's like this, okay? It's, 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 about, a, it's about, about describing a person who doesn't just read the text, but they're responding to the text. They, they look at the story and go, and they just dive right in. They say, this story shapes me. This story defines me. I am going to see my life, my, my relationship, my work, everything I do through the lens of this story. And because they care about the story so much, because the story is so important to them, they start to argue. They start to interact. They start to go, wait a minute, this story can't go this way. What's going on here? And they mutter and moan and growl, and they interact with God authentically. And the psalm says, that is a blessed person. How so? Let's get to verse three. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Verse three says, the blessed person is like a tree. Now, I, wanna, I have a couple of trees in my backyard I wanna show you. So uh, watch this. This is my backyard. Uh, this is our elm tree over here. And over here, uh, it's our uh, maple tree right over here. And you're probably wondering, well, <laughs> what's so special about these trees? Well, verse three says that the blessed man is someone who is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now the Hebrew word there for planted is not the typical word for planted. The word is shatul. And shatul means to be replanted or be transplanted. Nine years ago, when, when, when Serena and I moved into this house, there was nothing here in the backyard. The trees are not here, the pavers are not here, nothing out here. It was just all grass, and this backyard face is, is full south. Right? The sun comes down like this, and it got so hot back here. It was just withering heat. I mean, and we're from California. We can handle a little heat, right? But we came out here, and we couldn't last five minutes. We were just kind of like dying. And so we said, hey, we needed some shade trees. Now, we could plant a couple saplings. Yeah, we can do that. But we figured by the time it like, fully grew and provided shade, the girls would be too old. They'd be off to college and we might even be selling this place. Who knows? We wanted some shade trees faster than that. So we decided not to plant, but to replant. So we called these people and they had these absolutely amazing machines. All right, we went out to the tree farm and we picked a couple of, of 20 footers. You know, the machine just went and just dug the tree, grabbed its entire root and just brought it up, put it on the back of a truck and they just drove it here and they drove it right through here, and they just plunked it right in here into this hole. Whoa. Instant shade. That's chatul. That's being replanted. And, and this is what happens when somebody begins to authentically engage with Yahweh's teaching. God picks them up, and he moves them from where they used to be and plops them down in a new place. And where is this place? It's a place next to streams of water. Now, this is an image that's very popular among Christian artists, right? The, 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 you know, the tree next to the flowing river. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's very peaceful, very serene, very bucolic. And I'm very sorry to mess it up for you because the Hebrew word there for streams is not the normal word for streams and river. The word there is peleg. And it means a man-made irrigation ditch. Now, this is an important distinction. Because in ancient Israel, streams and rivers, after a few days of not raining, 
water stops running. But not so for the Peleg. The Peleg, a man-made irrigation ditch, draws water from a spring. So it provides a consistent water supply. This is a significant difference. And so, so instead of the picture that you just saw earlier, okay, I want you to picture these images that you're looking at right now. Right? And I want you to picture these when you think about the psalm. They're not as pretty, I get it. But the psalmist is using precise language for a very particular reason. God transplants us, not us. God moves us to a place of consistent water supply, a place where you don't worry about drought, a place where you're like, oh, a couple months of no rain. Eh, we're good. And what happens when a tree is replanted next to a place of consistent water supply? The tree flourishes. The tree just, and so the psalmist says, the leaves don't wither, it gives fruit in due time, it's all good. This is the vision of the blessed life in Psalm 1. A tree next to consistent water supply, its roots goes deep and wide, its trunk is strong and thick, the, the branches reaches to the skies, it drinks in the water deeply, sucks in the nutrients and soaks in the sun and it produces fruit for the community. Yes, the blessed person is someone who is strong and provides and supports the community. Now here I want to make something very clear. We don't serve other people in order to earn blessing. No, 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 no. Rather, serving other people means you have been blessed. You are living the blessed life. So, oh wow, you're serving people. You're so blessed. Oh wow, other people rely on you. You're so blessed. That's someone's vision of the blessed life. All right, let's go back to Braid Away and we'll go to verse four. So verse four, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Now verse four is an agriculture metaphor. Uh, I grew up in Taiwan in the 70s, and we used to live in a really rural area. Uh, you know, there's like rice paddies right outside our house. And so um, during harvest time, we always see this. We see the farmers, they, they have these piles and piles of rice grain on this massive cemented uh, area. And then on a windy day, they would, they would scoop up the rice and they would just toss it in the air. And the wind would come along and just blow the chaff away and the rice grain would fall back down. Now, now you may be seeing something like that right now on, on your screen. Okay. That's exactly the image that the psalmist is getting at. And this metaphor teaches us two things about the chaff. Number one, chaff is useless. It's something you're trying to get rid of. And number two, chaff is lightweight. In contrast to the tree, right? The tree is rooted. The tree is heavy. The tree is solid. The tree stands up in a storm and provides resource and shelter and protection. The chaff, chaff's nothing. Right? Breeze blows it away. It does nothing for the community. And so we get to verse 5, and we learn this about the chaff. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. In verse 5, all of a sudden, we jump into the next life. We're talking about life after the resurrection. We're talking about the existence in the new heaven and new earth. And, and um, verse 4 and 5 combine provides a fascinating explanation of why the wicked and the sinners don't belong in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Because they're chaff. And chaff can't live with trees. 
right? I mean, I mean, a, a breeze among trees is pleasant. A, a breeze among chaff is disastrous. The world that God's going to create on earth, that, that's going to be for the people of God, is going to be a, a world full of vitality and fullness. It's built for people who are strong and rooted. It's built for trees. It's for people who are rooted in God. People who are strong, who are sturdy. A chaff can't live there. A chaff wouldn't know what to do there. They can't survive there. And so it's, it's just it's fascinating to me because the Bible, when it talks about the wicked, you know, in most of the Bible, it'll talk about how you know, they, they're rebelling and they're going to be punished. But here in, in, in this psalm, the psalmist goes in a different direction. He, he, he basically says, the wicked can't survive heaven because heaven is not built for them. Let's get to the final verse. And here the psalmist comes back to the whole point about alignment. For Yahweh watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, in the Hebrew, um, the, the, the Hebrew word for, the, for watches over is yada. That's the very common verb meaning to know. And, and so the NIV didn't translate no, and I know why they did it, because if, they want to avoid confusion. I mean, imagine reading, if you're reading this, for Yahweh knows the way of the righteous. Everybody's like, oh, is he talking about predestination? You know, some kind of a sovereignty, free will, all kinds of philosophical, theological questions pop in. Okay, and, and to avoid all that, they went with watches over. Because yada here is not that kind of knowing. It's talking about knowing on an interpersonal level. It's saying that Yahweh is intimately acquainted with, deeply involved with the righteous person with their lives. It's about doing life with God. It's about talking, interacting with God through life. That's the blessed life. And in contrast, the wicked. Well, God doesn't know the wicked. I mean, he knows, but he doesn't. He's not involved. He's not present. He's not there connected with them. And because of that, their way perishes. Their way falls apart. And so that's someone. Psalm 1 paints a picture of the blessed life as a tree. And it asks this, this foundational question, do you want to be a tree? Tree people are rooted in God. They, 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 they're not flashy. They're, they don't seek attention. They, they put their roots deep within the community. They are the people that other people go to when they need help. When, they're, when, they, when they, they rely on them, they're the people they go to when things are going badly, when, when things are in distress. Eugene Peterson wrote this book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a great book. Go read it. But the title really captures this way of life, right? A long obedience in the same direction. That's how tree people live. Now here I want to clarify something. Um, Psalm 1 is not talking about perfection. Tree people are not perfect people. So get the whole idea of perfection out of your head right now. It has nothing to do with that. Rather, we're talking about people who, who have spent a significant portion of their lives authentically engaged with God and his teaching. And if you grew up around churches, you know people like this. I mean, you know, you, you might know like you're, you're an aunt or, or a great-grandparent. Somebody, you're like, oh, wow. My aunt, Frances Liu, was a tree person. She, uh, she was a professor of mathematics at Biola University. 
but she never, ever came across as somebody who knows more than anybody else. Rather, she exuded humility, joy, kindness, and nothing rocked her. I mean, it was just so utterly obvious. She's, she's, she is so rooted. She was a major reason why our whole family became Christ followers. And not just us. I mean, I mean she had such a huge impact among the Chinese-American community in Southern California. Blackhawk Church, we're full of tree people here. Lots of tree people here. Okay? We, we won't be here without them. For a church to prosper, we have to have tree people. Our, our community is, is supported by the trees in our midst. And, and they're not the people on stage. They're not the people you see. They, 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 they don't seek attention. I have a list of names right now I'm thinking about. They're the tree people, and they would not want me to mention the names here. And you're probably thinking of some names right now too. Now, if you're joining a life group and talking about the sermon, you're part of a life group, um, yeah, I would say, hey, share stories about the tree people that you know. What are their lives like? Rooted in God, strong in the face of adversity, and fruitful for the community. Do you want to be a tree? I think the psalm challenges our culture's notion of what, what is the blessed life. You know, I think our culture says the blessed life is getting what you want, right? We even say that. I mean, people will say, oh, I feel so blessed. And what they mean by that is they're totally satisfied. They have everything they want. I, I, I have, we have somebody who loves me and, and we love them. We have kids. We have a good job, a good house, a good car. We get to go on vacation where we want to go. Our kids do well in school. They get into the best schools. Our sports team win the championship every year. Oh, I feel so blessed. Our culture's understanding of the blessed life is you get what you wish for. And Psalm 1 says, no. Psalm 1 says the blessed life is one in which the person is rooted in a relationship, an authentic relationship with God. And that person is strong in the face of adversity. And that person is fruitful for the community. That's the vision of the blessed life. And Psalm 1 calls us to be tree people. So the question for us is, do you want to be a tree? How do you become a tree person? Well, obviously, it's not by doing X, Y, and Z. It's not 10 easy steps to the blessed life. No, 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 no. The, the, the Bible says, no, it's about engaging with God, right? Engaging with God through meditation. Haga, haga, meditate, right? And, um, and, and, and meditation, there's two parts to it. There is reading and there's responding. Meditation is about authentic conversation with God. Right? It's, it's about connecting with not just the story of the Bible, but with the God who stands behind the story of the Bible. And that is why the, the, the editors of the book of Psalms, they put Psalm 1 right in front. They put Psalm 1 as the introduction because the book of Psalm itself is just full of writings of people who are authentically engaging with God. These are people who meditate on the Bible. They are thinking about it and they take it seriously. The book of Psalm is just loaded with real prayers of real people facing real circumstances. And when you start reading them, oh my gosh, 
Some of them are just heartbreakingly honest. But these prayers, they, they look different from each other. There's all different types. They cover all kinds of topics, um, different thoughts, different emotions, questions, confusions, joy, sorrow, thanksgiving, praise, anger, despair. And so we're going to get a taste of this in this series, these different types of prayers. And, and in reading them, they will change the words we use to pray, the things we pray about, and even why we pray. So meditation, reading the Bible deeply and responding authentically. That's the foundation to the blessed life. It's the foundation to walking with God. And in doing so, God transplants us and we become trees rooted, strong in the face of adversity, fruitful for the community. I want to lead us into a time of meditation right now. And, and I, I don't really like the word meditation because when I say meditation, people think about, you know, you know, it's very solemn, it's very quiet. You know, you're supposed to empty your mind and thought or chant or something like that. And I am not talking about that kind of meditation at all. I'm talking about Haggah, okay? Mutter, moan, groan. I'm talking about responding to the story authentically, right? So, so um, what we're doing here is I've, I've, um, uh, our, our pastor, uh, worship pastor, Travis Agnew, he's actually uh, taken the words of Psalm 1 and he's put it to music. So what's going to happen is in a bit is he is going to sing that song and you're going to see the words of Psalm 1 on the screen. And um, if you are alone and you feel like you've done this before, you're comfortable, this will be easy, okay? Go ahead, um, read the words on the screen out loud or to yourself. Um, use it as a prayer. Feel free to stand up, kneel down to walk around. Feel free to pray to God. Talk about how, whether you, you know, how much you want to be a tree or even like, you know, I don't really get this vision. What is this vision a tree about? Maybe I don't want to be a tree. Talk to God. Respond authentically. You can journal. You can draw. You can even dance if you want to. Now, for those of you listening who are like, whoa, this sounds really, really crazy. I'm not sure how to do any of this. That's okay. okay it really is. We all have to start somewhere. Nobody, nobody like, born knowing how to do this. We all have to kind of experiment. So uh, if, it's, if it's new for you, do something very simple today, okay? Just, it's a good place. Just as the words are on the screen, read them. If you're alone, read them out loud if you feel comfortable. If not, read silently and just let those words sit in your mind. Think about what the words mean. Think about some of the things I said and let us say, stay there. Let the words take root and that's it. That's it. And that's a good place to start. And, and finally, if you're, in, if you're in a watch party, you're like watching with your family, there's kids running around, or if you're watching with your life group or something like that, um, yeah, this is tricky. <laughs> um, there's a reason why we didn't do this in like when we're gathered in a big building, because when we do Haggah, we actually interrupt each other. We actually kind of get in the way of each other. So we're kind of doing this digital online thing. We're taking advantage of that, that you're actually at home. But if you're in a group of people, I would say, hey, feel free to sit Feel free to um, read the words, respond quietly in your, in your own thoughts. However, if your group is up for it, if your group is kind of, kind of that adventurous sort, feel free to try it even in front of other people. But the mo most important thing is this, is that we read deeply and we respond 
authentically. So uh, let me turn the time over to Travis. Blessed are the ones that do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the ways that sinners take a seat in the seat of mockers But we delight in the love of the Lord, day and night we seek. We meditate on all your ways, day and night we seek. And we will be like the tree.
you may be experiencing a range, wide range of emotions and thoughts as we ponder the teaching and the reflection that Charles just took us through. And if you are, I want you to know that that's actually another blessing because we can go to God, we can build our lives on him. If you are accepting him for the first time or maybe you need to rebuild our lives on Christ as we think about that first verse need to be like that tree replanted or transplanted I just want you to know that we can also respond to God by singing our own song and our own song of praise and we're going to do that right now as we worship together in this song that simply says, build my life. Hallelujah.
Man, those were powerful, powerful words from Charles today. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's go be tree people. Yeah. You know, that, that whole concept of what it looks like for us to be tree people. And hopefully that's a conversation right now that is, uh, that doesn't end right here. That conversation just begins. This is a starting point for us. Absolutely. And Matt, you know, today, uh, those of you who uh, are aware, uh, we want to just remind you that the mask and supply drive is still happening today. So Susan and her team from Impact, they're going to be uh, meeting today here uh, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. So please come on out. This is one tangible and helpful way that we can still love our community in the midst of everything that's been unfolding in this pandemic. Absolutely. That's such a good point. So today, Braider Way, 1 to 5, make your way out. We would love to see you at that. Another thing, too, just a reminder, tonight at 7.15, myself, Coley, um, well, actually, I don't know if you're here or not. I know Charles, yeah, Charles and uh, Charles and Chris and myself Chris. for yep. sure are all going to be here tonight. And uh, just for a night of teaching on the subject as well as prayer, 715, we would love to have you uh, come and join and be a part of that. So yes. Yes. Let, me, uh, let me close this with a benediction. Um, and so our, our benediction really comes from the passage that Charles talked about today. May we be tree people. May we be trees planted by streams of living water that God's spirit would just powerfully work inside of us. May he make us into people whose leaves do not wither, but who bear fruit in this unique season that we find ourselves in. All God's people together said, Amen. amen. Thanks again so much for being with us. We love you and uh, we'll see you soon.